guys, look at that. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Wow, look over there. Have you guys seen anything as massive as that? Great. Those cliffs are huge. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Well, we're here. Looks like everyone else just got here too. It's time to look up. There's more to life than what's on your screen. Go off-road on the adventure of a lifetime and experience the greatness of God's love. Explore colorful canyons of the Southwest from a rock-solid faith and discover that God is monumental. Good morning, everybody. I'm Megan, and I have this week's announcements for you. Monumental VBS is coming up quickly on July 18th through the 21st from 5 o'clock to 7.30 p.m. Please register your children using the Church Center app so we can plan ahead for food, crafts, and gifts. It's going to be such a fun week, and we can't wait to see you there. Shores Edge Youth will have a beach and Bible night on Sunday, July 10th from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock p.m. All upcoming 6th through 12th graders are welcome to attend. See Kevin Butler for more details and to sign up. Shores Kids is growing. It's such an exciting time. With that being said, we really need more volunteers on Sunday mornings. We're asking that if you've attended Shores for at least six months and have kids who rely on this ministry, that you consider volunteering just once a month. It's so easy to join and easy to serve. See me, Megan, in the Shores Kids area for more information and to sign up. The memorial service for Pastor Andy is this Saturday, July 9th, from 11 o'clock a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. right here at Shores. The service will be live streamed for those unable to attend. We are honored to be able to celebrate the life of such a wonderful, godly man who served this church and God's people for many years. If you're new to Shores today or within the past few weeks, we'd love to say hi. Please fill out a card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, and return it to the connecting point. We also have a gift for you. That's all for today's announcements. Let's dive into God's Word. How are we doing this morning? We're doing well? Ready to dive into God's Word, right? I'm, I'm excited about what we've been studying. We've been working through the Sermon on the Mount. You can't get any more important chapters in the Word of God. Can I even say that? This is the instruction of Jesus to His followers as He establishes His kingdom. We get the Sermon on the Mount. This is direct instruction for you and me. So, I, I, okay, God, Jesus, what do you have for me? I'm ready, to, I'm ready to listen. And as we read this section, location matters. Because the last time that God spoke from a mountain, what did we get? We got the Ten Commandments, we got the Law, we got the Torah. Now, now Jesus is careful, as He teaches, to say that He's not abolishing the Law. He's not abolishing what God had revealed and given to the people of God at Mount Sinai. No, He's come to fulfill it. And the Hebrew idea of fulfill is to give a full reading of or approved teaching of some type of material. So Jesus is saying, hey, what I'm giving you is a full reading of God's commands for the church age, for my people, for my kingdom that I'm starting. So, hey, listen up. We have the commands of Christ for us, his followers as he's establishing his kingdom. Now, whenever we read the law, what, what we see immediately is how we fall short. So, when you're reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and if you're really honest with all of the commands written here, if, if you're honest with the reading, you see that, wow, I, I, I can't do everything here. It, it's, it's too much. We, we feel the weight of our sin. And then, Jesus says something like this. 
Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Are you a perfect person? Raise your hand if you're perfect. And if you happen to raise your hand, just let your spouse or your neighbor tell you otherwise. It's not, it's not true. It's not true. I mean, no one is perfect. But, but wait, he, he says here, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is he saying? He's driving us to our knees. Do you understand? When we see the commands of Christ and try to follow it perfectly, we know that we're not capable. We're unable to do everything written here. That's why we need grace and mercy. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit's empowering. You can't do this in the flesh. You do it by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit empowers you, then you can fulfill what's written here. But only by the, by the Holy Spirit. Not by yourself. Okay? It's important. You have to understand that you just can't do this on your own, by your own ability. You're going to fall short. You're going to fall flat on your face. It's okay. From flat on your face to your knees, it's not very far distance. It's a good thing. Okay? We're being reminded that we need Christ. And also, a key thought that Jesus keeps driving to as we read through the Sermon on the Mount is that he cares about your heart. See, Jesus works from the inside out. It's not about appearances or following the letter of the law. We talked about that last week. Kevin shared about that. No, it's your heart. So when we read about loving your neighbor, it's easy to love people who are nice to you, isn't it? I mean, if someone's really, really kind to you, is it easy to love that person back? Well, anyone can do that. You can do that in the flesh. But how about your enemy? Or how about your little brother who's seven years old and you've been in a car for five or six hours? And the kid's bored out of his mind, and he has a water bottle, empty water bottle, and he is crinkling it, smacking himself in the head, smacking everything around him. Can any parent relate? Now you're a 12-year-old daughter hearing this for hours and hours, and you just want to turn around and strangle the kid. Now you know you have a loving heart if you can love a person like that. That, that's love. Do you, are you with me? You see where Jesus is going with this? Like, you could love anyone if they're nice to you, but wait till you get in the car with your little brother for six or seven hours. Then you know how loving you are. Can you love your enemies? That's the point. Jesus going back to the heart. What is your heart like? Outward religious actions. That's what we're going to be reading about this morning. We're going to be reading about, by the way, we were just on a long trip with my family so that I was gone camping. You're wondering where, what the context of that comment was. We were driving down from Hancock, Houghton, UP, okay? It's about a 10-hour drive, at least the way we had to go to pick up a kid from camp. It's, it, that's a lot of hours in a car. It's amazing that we all lived. <laughs> or, or we all came home. Maybe that's it. <laughs> might have been points along the way. We might have kicked one out. <laughs> Woo! Uh, okay, that's done. We're, we're back home. Everything's fine. Everyone lived. So outward religious actions are important. That's what we're going to be reading about this morning. We're going we're to read about fasting and prayer and, and giving to the poor. I mean, Jesus is not against any of those things, but what, what he's really after is what's behind those religious actions. He's about your heart. Because you can do things for the appearance when your heart is not aligned with God. See, it's all show and not heart. What if Jesus, really, as I've been reflecting and thinking about this message all this week, what if Jesus could have a real honest, genuine conversation with you? Where it's just kind of like you and Jesus. Boy. Some of us want to avoid that kind of conversation. But let's say you're having that conversation, you and Jesus, and he started asking you these deeper questions. Why do you do what you do? What's behind that? Re remember, this Sermon on the Mount is, is written to the church, to, the, to you who are followers of God. I'm assuming you who are followers of God sitting here, he, he's talking to you. What, what's behind your religious actions? You're sitting here in church. What's going on at the heart level? 
Is it genuine or is it fake? Matthew chapter 6. With all that being said, let's dive in. Matthew chapter 6. We start reading in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we provide a Bible for you. It's in the chair in front of you, and I've given you the page number so anyone can jump in. Pull out your device, whatever you want to read along, read along, please. Verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay, let's stop for a moment. What is Jesus talking about in this chapter? He's talking about hypocrisy. Being a hypocrite. Now, now, being a hypocrite can look different, but there's a similar thread that runs behind the life of a hypocrite. It's play acting. See, it comes from the Greek word, which, which really is a, is a theater word. It's where a person would play a role on a stage. They would wear a mask playing a role. And now we understand how the theater works. When, when we're watching a person playing a role or playing a part in some type of play, we know that's not the real person, right? We know that that person is going to get done with the play, get done, done with the, whatever acting he or she's doing, and, and go home. And that's the idea of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is to have pretension or to pretend to be something that we're not, just like that, that performer's pretending to be some role or some character when that's really not that person. That's hypocrisy. That's what hypocrisy is. And it's not, a new, it's not a new problem. Actually, God has been warning about hypocrisy really in the prophets, or really from the, from the beginning of having people. He said, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see what God's after? He just wants your heart. And that's it. Like, done with the show, I want your heart. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they've been taught. It's just it's following a checklist, and as long as you have everything checked, then you're fine. No, God says, I want your heart, the inner part, the centermost part of who you are, the unseen, because you can trick everyone else around you. You, you can play a certain role and have people believe that you're something but I know better because I'm God. I know your hearts. Jesus talks about the Pharisees, which are kind of the classic example of a hypocrite. Everything they do is done for people to see. Their phylacteries are wide and their tassels on their garments are long. You say, what, what, what's behind that? Well, those are religious symbols. So they have really showy religious symbols like the original Jewish drip, right? I mean, this is them showing off how great they are, and Jesus is saying, I see past that, I see your heart. It's just all about show. Paul talks about, now the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory. So he's referring to the, the Old Testament sacrificial system. He's talking about the Ten Commandments, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. So as Moses was in the tabernacle, having the law of God revealed to him, his face became so bright by being in the presence of God, people couldn't even stand around him. They were like, whoa, that's a lot of glory on your face. So you'd have to wear a veil. Paul's saying that that was transitory. Then he says, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? He's saying the Holy Spirit within the followers of God, the Holy Spirit within His church and followers of Christ actually shines even brighter. You see, if your heart is transformed by God, it will shine. Amen. And people will see it. And, and that, that is what really we should focus on. Not, not on the approval of people, but a heart that's transformed by God. Amen. It's about your heart. And so what Jesus does through the Sermon on the Mount and what he's going to do in these passages right here, these chapters we're reading, and really these paragraphs we're reading, he's going to pull back, strip back everything that we used to think of ourselves as a good person to see what's really behind it all. Because he doesn't want the hypocrite. Ever seen this phrase before? Or maybe, maybe heard someone say this? Just be a good human? I mean, 
There's so much pretension out there. We're, we're pretending that, that this is what it means to follow God. Just be a good human. Just be considerate, polite. Just, right? Be, be aware of how you act and just be nice to people. That's all that really matters. What Jesus is saying, whoa, that's just your outward actions towards people. What's going on behind the scenes? If this is the level we go, then we're only going skin deep. Jesus even said, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. It's like, if you've got to go below the surface. I mean, cultural Christianity, that's a real problem. Just like the, the Pharisees were had that cultural Jewishness down so that we can go through the motions and there's no heart behind it. That's, that's the warning we're getting in these passages. Okay? Kind of like the Wizard of Oz where you saw that big and powerful Oz but then the little, little dog runs behind the machine and starts pulling away at the curtain and what do we see? A tired old man. I mean, the, the point is, like, if you could like, pull back the curtain or pull back what everyone else sees every day, what's really on the inside? That's the question. The heart. What matters is the heart. And so we're going to do some heart check this morning, straight out of the Scripture. We're just going to read the way that Christ wants us to check why we do what we do. So when you give to the needy, so he's going to talk about giving to the poor, and he's going to use three very religious actions, giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. And there's nothing wrong with any of those three. It's really what's behind it. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, so, so the questions that we need to ask ourselves when we're doing anything, not just giving to the poor, but when we're doing anything to please God. Do we do what we do to be noticed by people? Are we looking for human approval? Do you know how many times I have to check myself on this? Because as a pastor, you always have to be on. You, you can never have like one of those days where you're like, get out of my face, people. Or I don't want to deal with you. I just want to like, go for a run or lift some weights or watch a basketball game. It's like you always got to be on. And I'm walking into a prayer meeting with a bunch of really spiritual people that know better. <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, I better buck up, get at it. And I, I, I have to check myself, like, what am I doing here? What, what I'm praying to Almighty God, what's behind this? And it's I, asking those questions why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing this so people will notice me or have an idea about me or that think I'm doing a good job at being a pastor or, or, or serving God? Or is it genuine? Because doing the right thing for the wrong reasons is not doing the right thing. Because Jesus really cares about your heart. The centermost part of who you are, your heart. It's unseen. That's what he cares about. The hard check in this is that I want to give, if we're talking about helping people, I want to give to help this person and to please God. That's it. And I don't even have to qualify the need. I mean, I'm, you should be wise with your money. I'm not just saying just throw it out there. But, but you don't have to know if that's an authentic need or not because you're really giving this to Jesus. Right? So sometimes I get into a setting where I'm wondering, like, should I really fill up this guy's tank of gas? Really? But hey, I don't have to figure all that out. This is for you, God. Just because I just want to please you. I want to bless you, God. Now, I just I need to pause here for a second. So what do we do as a church family? That, I'm talking about myself personally. What do we do as a church family? Well, we have a benevolent offering right after this service, and we help people with that benevolent offering. But honestly, what we do as a church family is we send them down to Love, Inc. 
which I don't know if you're familiar with that organization, but that's a place where they can do a lot of good work figuring out what's behind that need and give them the help to move forward. If, so if you're in need, that's where we're going to send you. But I'm telling you, at a personal level, right, a lot of times when the Holy Spirit prompts me, I'm just given, and I don't have to think about what people think or what, what everyone else thinks. It's, it's really just an audience of one, and that's where Christ wants us, right? Jesus said, I, I came from the Father, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases the Father. So it's all about pleasing God, and that's your check, your heart check. Why are you doing what you do? Are you doing it to please God, or is it for other motivations or other reasons? Okay, now let's talk about prayer. Verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be, to be seen by others. Do you see? Trying to gain approval and acceptance, trying to be seen as an A-lister in the, in the Jewish faith, so they, they get out, look prominent. That happens, doesn't it? It happens in the church. Look prominent. But when you pray, he's saying, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so some simple questions we can ask about just prayer and, the, and, and really what you're doing with your own personal prayer life is, do I pray more frequently and fervently in private? Is, is, is your moments of prayer what happens at the dinner table? Or is there a, a deeper, more authentic prayer life happening behind the scenes when you're alone with God? Do you love your alone time with God? Is your public prayer life just an overflow of your private prayer life? So when you're praying in public, you're just continuing that prayer conversation you've been having with God all week. Now you're just having to be saying it out loud with the people around you. You see, you're checking your heart. They'd be like, what's going on with your heart? But there's, but there's something else going on here. The second problem he's addressing is found in verse 7. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So he's referring to is just kind of like Gentile Greek Roman practice where you would go into a temple and you get in front of the shrine or idol, you light your incense, you light your candles, and you would say these kind of ritualistic incantations, like you would say these rote words over and over and over and over and over again, really trying to twist the arm of that God to hear you and respond to your need. To say this set words and you get what you want. And Jesus' point is like, man, you're, you're talking to an empty room. That God's not there to hear you. You who are followers of Christ Understand that you have a heavenly father and that you have that relation, heart relationship with him. The heart check is this. We pray to God our father and it's more about our relationship with him than the request itself. Amen. Do you know how many times I have to do this check? Because are, are you like me that you have like a set prayer schedule or you have a set prayer you work through? Okay, this is how I pray in the morning, this is how I pray in the evening, or this is how I pray on a Saturday night when I'm praying for the church service. Like I did this last night as I was coming in here to pray. I have certain things that I pray through every Saturday, and then I caught myself going, well, wait a second. Am I just going through the motions here? Am I just doing something that I've always been doing? Or is my heart really in it, or, or really is it my heart talking to God? Do you ever have that? You're like, well, wait. Am I, do I even mean the words I'm saying? Because it's really about your heart relationship with God. Is your heart like in love with God, your Father? Now, I got to pause for a second. Whenever I talk about God as Father, I know there's people in this room that have an earthly father that, that ha wasn't the best dad. And so when I say... God is your father, it can bring up some very negative emotions or connotations. Your, your mind can go in some negative places. I just want to remind you again is that that's a hard thing to process through. I want to remind you again, you have a perfect heavenly father 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never tempt you nor hurt you nor abuse you. He's a perfect heavenly father. And you can move close to him because he, he, he won't hurt you. And you can trust him. Because he'll never turn his back on you. So then Jesus gives us this model prayer. He says, this is how a person ought to pray. And this is a prayer that we've memorized, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. And now, I want to talk quickly through that prayer because it helps us against hypocrisy. It helps us against doing the, the right things for the wrong reasons. It teaches us this is how you should pray. He's, first thing we, the first thing we notice is that our Father in heaven, that's a very ex- extremely personal way to talk to God. And to the Jewish audience that would be hearing this, that would be sacrilegious. To think of God as your Father such a personal way? I mean, the word here is dad. It's very personal. Like, like my, my daughters used to call me daddy. They don't do that anymore. Now I'm sad. But they, they used to call me daddy. And it was a very personal thing. So it's close. And that's what, that's what Jesus is telling us to do. Move close to God. And be welcomed into the arms of your Father, your Heavenly Father. And then he backs that up with, hallowed be your name. So, reminding us that God is holy, and that not only is He really, really tight and close to you, and loves you deeply, He's also God, the creator of the universe. Terrifying, awesome, and mighty. That's our God. We can't miss both sides of who our God is. Hallowed be your name. It's reminding us, hey, we want God's name to be worshipped across all people everywhere. God's will be done on earth as in heaven. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you just want God's will for your life? Do you want God's will for your family? Yeah, I tell you. I want God's will for my family, especially when you're stuck in a car for seven or eight hours. There are times where you just want to pull over and preach to people. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) Whatever else you need to use. Preach. Because, I mean, it feels like the wheels are coming off a little bit sometimes, right? I mean, when you pray for your family, parents, are you praying? When you're praying for your family, pray God's will be done in your home. And we want God's will in this church. We want the Holy Spirit to be welcomed here. We want to see the Spirit move and work. We want to be loving and kind, yet provide accountability and truth and conviction. We want to be a family of God. Family, brothers and sisters in Christ. With our weird uncle off to the side. He's he's welcome too. Everyone's welcome here. We want God's will in our, in our community. We want God's will in our country. That's why the Christians need to have a voice. And we need to speak out because we need to remind people of what truth is. Because if we're not saying it, who will? The, the death of a community or the death of the morality of a church is when people who've been given the truth don't say it. And and you can see the slide of a country and a community that's turned their back on God. I mean, remember the Beatitudes when we talk about mourning? I I mourn when I see the response that people have to, to things that are only right and good. I mean, can we just pause for a moment? Was that exciting to have Roe versus Wade overturned? I mean, I, I saw that as, okay, now we can now at a state level or local level address and work through 
what morality is instead of being told. But then to see the response to that, and I'm thinking, wow, like, are we speaking truth about morality and the value of human life? That every life is important, especially the most vulnerable life? Can you get any more vulnerable than a child that's in their mother's womb? They can't. That's what I'm saying. God's will be done in, in our community, in our country. Again, I'm not speaking from a political platform. I'm just trying to share truth from God's word. I'm not saying, hey, you know, vote for me. I'm just saying, this is what God says. Like, this is truth, and, and we need to speak that. God's will be done, and, it, and I'm not saying just on certain issues like this. I'm talking about all kinds of issues, on issues of morality and sexuality and, and how you talk to people and how kind you are to people and how you love people, how you don't bully people. Do you see how it applies to all of this stuff? Yeah, so my life, my home, my church, my community, God's will be done. I want His kingdom here and everywhere. And now we understand who God is and what His will is for our world. We pray that prayer, we mean that prayer, we pray that for our family, then we can start asking for the right things, which then Jesus moves to in this prayer. Our daily bread. Please, Father, give us our daily bread, which means that God provides for my needs. Now, we live in a world where you're not too frightened about where your next meal is coming from. True? True? Just get a look at some of you. You know, you haven't missed a meal for a while. So you, you're, you're fine. And you're not worried about your shelter. And you're not worried about your clothes you wear. You got everything. You're good. Well, at this time, you, you work for your day's wage. So you wake up in that morning. You do your day. You do your work. And then you get paid in the evening. You wake up the next day hoping to find another days worth of work. So the idea of starving is very real. Praying for our daily bread. Just, Father, give us our needs. Not our wants, just our needs. And everything that God gives that's above that, that's a crazy great blessing. You've been blessed. Just let's acknowledge where that blessing is coming from. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God has been blessing us constantly. That's a good thing. Then he teaches us to pray for forgiveness, which is interesting because now we're kind of like, again, off my own personal wants and onto the things that really matter. You've got your needs met, and now the next thing that's really important is forgiveness, that we need that that, that sin debt removed. And now we're going to take some time and, and, and really think about communion and think about Christ's death on the cross, but just remember, sin is a weight. Every time we sin, there must be a punishment for that sin. Christ took that punishment on the cross for us. So now our sin debt has been paid in full, and you can walk out of here free. And you're not carrying that. That's incredible, right? We're going to celebrate that and think about that here in a few moments. We're asking for forgiveness, and then, of course, you can forgive other people because when your debt is wiped clean, how much easier is it to forgive the people around you? I mean, all that sin, all that, all that bad stuff you've done has been taken away by God. Well, any little annoyance that someone has shown to you that's easy to, you know, we ought to be forgiving people constantly and not carrying the, the bitterness or the grudges. And then Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, which is a Jewish idiom. It basically means, because God would never lead us into temptation, it basically means, God, keep me away from temptation and really keep me on the path to righteousness. Because are you like me? I'm prone to wander. It doesn't take much for me to wander off the established path that God has set. I've talked about this before, but I want to remind you that 
There is a, a way that God has established in His Word. And if we stray off that way just a little bit, if we make a choice to step off of that path just a fraction, what happens when you live that lifestyle out for a long period of time? Where do you end up? I mean, you're, you're heading straight due north, and you just get off just a fraction out in the woods, and you follow that course for miles. Where do you end up? Far away from where you ought to be. The idea is this. Every day, we got to wake up and say, God, keep me on your path of righteousness. Please, don't let me wander off that path, because if I do, I'm, I'm going to fall into evil. Do you see the heart check that, that Christ is giving us in this prayer? It's profound, isn't it? And it's simple. It's, it's not complicated, is it? How about this week? Are we going to pray this prayer? But genuinely, not just pray it because we've memorized it or remembered it or someone told me to pray it, but, but honestly pray through all the elements and really develop that heart relationship with God. How about, how about, let's take some time and really have what Christ wants is the heart relationship, not the, the outward appearance of righteousness. Fasting. Let's finish here. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there were times in the Jewish calendar, and really times of the week, when it was expected for, for the Jewish people to fast. And so these A-listers, these, these self-righteous kind of you know, people who are putting themselves out there as, hey, we are the religious elite, they would go around making it very obvious that they're fasting. Like the head's downturned, looking downcast like, oh, I'm fasting. Don't interrupt me. I'm in my fast. And Jesus is saying, that's so fake. Do you understand what a fast is? A fast is when you, you take time, deny yourself something, asking a request of God. You, you're showing God how serious this is to you by fasting and denying yourself something. It, it's, it's nothing to do with what people see. It's about your heart. It's about that heart request to God. Do, do you see? It's what's behind the scenes that matters. And I want to ask you, how do we measure spiritual growth? What markers exhibit life? in the kingdom of God. Because it's not the label. It's not the label we wear. It's the inward change in us. And I guess that's the whole point of what I, I believe we're reading here in this passage. Jesus is using three very religious actions that every one of us should be practicing. Giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. He's not undoing any of that. He's asking you the, the deeper question. What's behind what you're doing? Is it genuine or is it fake? And so we have to ask the question, is this just a label we're wearing? Is this just something, a facade we're showing to people? Or is it some, is there, there's a real relationship behind it all? So we're going to step into communion. I think this is a great opportunity for us as followers of Christ to do just some heart-to-heart -heart with God. Now here's how we take communion. There are we do it a couple different ways, but this morning we have a little containers at the end of your row. If you wouldn't mind grabbing that container, passing it along, and there you'll find our, our communion supplies. Now this is open communion, which means that you don't have to be a member of Shores Community Church to take communion with us. The only qualification is you're a follower of Jesus Christ, because this means something to us. This is very, very important what we're holding in our hand. This is, right, this represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ who is poured out for us. All right, now that we've got it in your hands, why don't we catch the lights? I just want to have a conversation with us. We're just going to take some time and just think about our relationship with God. What's behind what you do? What's behind it? 
Just take some alone time with God and just ask the questions. Remember that this is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He, he died on the cross. And that was real blood and that was a body that was broken and just mutilated and destroyed, taking your punishment, taking everything you deserved and put it on himself. Everything that you don't like about you, the weight of your sin, all of that imperfection on Jesus. So now you can experience complete forgiveness and that your, your slate's wiped clean. I mean, there's, it's, not, it's not on your account anymore. Actually, you, you've got all of Christ's righteousness now. That's powerful. But with Christ, it's always about that heart-to-heart relationship. So right now, just take some time and, and thank Him and think. And just pray and just let the Holy Spirit shine the light on your heart, the unseen. See what's behind everything and ask those difficult questions. Ask those difficult questions. I want to pray for us. Father, we know that it's the heart that you're after. We know that there's so many good things we can be doing, but if our heart is not aligned with you, it's we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that you've always just chased after a heart. And I know there's people in this room and maybe they feel like they're distant from you. They maybe walked away from you at some point or maybe they're living apart from you right now. Maybe it's rebellion. Maybe it's some type of like horrible thing they're experiencing. Maybe it's trial. Maybe it's just, just the difficulties of life. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just they've gotten lazy. Maybe they just, just don't want to put in the time and other things just seem more appealing. I pray that right now you can just grab a hold of them and just shine your, your, the, your light, your revealing light into their hearts and just let them see this is what they are. This is not what their spouse thinks they are or not what pastor thinks they are or church member thinks they are co-workers and friends think they are. This is who they really are. And then they can, at, at this moment, move back to you. And that's the beauty of taking communion. We're just reminded continually, it's all grace. And I don't earn this. And I can move right close to you. You can just, you'll take me right back in. I pray that people will take that move right now. Please, through your Holy Spirit, move. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Why don't we some of these verses and then we'll take communion together?
body of Christ, broken for you. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you in remembrance of him. I love celebrating communion. It is a celebration, right? I mean, it's exciting. And it's a time to just reflect and think, wow, Christ, you did all this for me. You didn't earn it, didn't deserve it, and yet you did it. That's, that's amazing. Let's stand. Let's keep praising God this morning. powerful song to sing. It's like a prayer, right? Praying the Lord's Prayer. Praying that God's heaven will be here on earth. In our homes. In our community. Right? Yeah. That's cool. What, cool to welcome that in. Hey, we have a prayer team that meets up front for your spiritual, emotional, physical healing. Please come forward. and Someone lay hands on you. We have in the chair in front of you prayer cards that you can fill out. Put on the prayer wall. And we also have prayer meeting tonight at 6 o'clock if you'd like to come to that. We also take a benevolent offering right after this service out these two doors. That money goes to people in need, okay? So when you give into those plates, it's not to the operation of the church, but to people who have an immediate need. And we as a church bless people with it. Let's pray. Father, we, we know that it's all your spirit and your mercy and grace that allows for us to live lives of victory and that we can walk out these doors ready to face a world that needs the message of your gospel. And I pray that you will just empower us and fill us and help us to really have our hearts aligned to you. 
and that we will ask questions and think deeply about who we really are, and that we will pray a prayer that centers us constantly on your will and the heart of you, our Father. Now, help us and bless us, empower us, we pray, in Christ's name, amen. Hey, I love you guys. I love you more than you know.